Oftentimes in Hollywood, in order to actually get a film made, the stars have to align just right. Many a screenplay have toiled away in the dreaded development hell. However, films adapted from established intellectual property tend to have an easier time with it all. One of the most successful people in this adaptation landscape is novelist and screenwriter Neil Gaiman. However, not all of Gaiman's adaptations go as smoothly as others. Some need a little sprinkle of magic to get over the finish line. This was the case for the 2007 adaptation of Gaiman's fantastical graphic novel turned regular novel, Stardust. What began as a four-issue long fantasy adventure of love for DC Comics turned into a full novel that was published in 1999. However, even before its publication, Stardust had caught the eye of Hollywood producers, having been optioned by Miramax and Bob Weinstein in 1998. But unlike the fantasy the novel portrays, there was no happily ever after here, as Gaiman and other writers submitted treatments for the film, eventually the option agreement lapsed and rights reverted back to Gaiman. Although he had control of his story once again, Gaiman became incredibly disillusioned with Hollywood's development process and became very hesitant to relinquish creative control over his material to others following this Miramax-Weinstein debacle. In the following years, interest in Gaiman's fantasy novel picked up again, this time with writer-director Terry Gilliam and Matthew Vaughn. However, Gilliam eventually dropped out after directing The Brothers Grimm in 2005, not wanting to direct another fantasy project. And though Vaughn dropped out to work on his feature film directorial debut, Layer Cake, he eventually came back to take the helm of Stardust in lieu of directing X-Men The Last Stand. With Gaiman's blessing, Vaughn and writer Jane Goldman, who was recommended by Gaiman, took a pass at the script. After recording the audiobook version of his novel, Gaiman realized that the film adaptation would need to make some massive changes and adopt a slightly lighter tone and more whimsical tone in order to work as a 90-minute film. After filming throughout the UK and other parts of Europe in 2006, Stardust fell into theaters in the late summer of 2007. The film did okay financially, grossing over $137 million on a budget between $70 to $88 million, making it modestly profitable if not a slight financial loss. But the film did well critically, receiving mostly positive reviews and even garnering awards from the Empire Awards, the GLAAD Awards, and winning Best Dramatic Presentation in the Long Form category at the Hugo Awards, which are basically the Oscars of science fiction. Regardless of any numbers of awards, Gaiman's magical swashbuckling tale of finding true love managed to find its audience and those who love the film sing its praises to this day. And if you were to go looking for that, you may just find a beautiful and charming long lost gem that is Stardust. So today, we're lighting our Babylon candles, but there's no telling where we might end up as we ask the question, Stardust, what's it about? I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. I'm Seth Crow. I'm Megan Branham. And this is the What's About Film Podcast, a show where we try to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding it up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, Megan, how are you today? Hi. No, we're not doing Wally this week. Oh, I was just, oh, cute. I was just saying hello. <laughs> oh, you're just, oh, you just are Wally. <laughs> Maybe I'll, so wait, so what voice this week? Uh... Oh, no, I can't, I can't, I have to get, you? I was trying to do Ian McKellen, uh, you know, <laughs> I just narrate the rest of the podcast as Ian McKellen. I'm Ian McKellen. <laughs> I'm Ian McKellen. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Oh, None shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we're off the rails already. <laughs> uh, but yes, we are doing Stardust today. Um, Megan, you picked Stardust. Why? Why? Yeah. Why did you pick Stardust? Um, I'm so predictable. I I really like it. <laughs> I. That's not a good enough reason. No. I know. Um. <laughs> I just feel like not a ton of people have seen it, or if mm-hmm. they have, like nobody, it's just not enough people talk about it. And I really want to get the word out. Um, <laughs> so, I, you, so you picked this podcast to get the word I out? I did, yeah. <laughs> All right. I just needed, <laughs> I needed something tangible to give people when they asked about my favorite movie. Um, I saw this when I was like, I, I said it, but no, I told Seth at least. Wait, this um, is your favorite movie? Well, it's up there. It's not oh, my wow. favorite movie ever, okay. but it's up there. Okay. Um, it's I saw it when I was like 13, 12 or 13 in theaters. It's not judgment. It's just observation, learning. You know? It's yeah, yeah. It's it's one of my favorites, and it just reminded me of. Um, I grew up watching The Princess Bride, and this to me feels like in the vein of Princess Bride, and I just wish more movies were like this. Um, it's actually the only other than Sandman when it came out. The Another, TV show on Netflix. Um, Neil Gaiman. It's the only Neil Gaiman, like, adaptation that I've liked. I didn't love Good Omens. Um, That's, you gotta, I was you gotta trying watch to think American of that show. Gods. I, yeah, I started American Gods. I, no, 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 I didn't, actually. Okay, I'll watch that. The Was, the first season's the only one you need to watch of American Gods. Okay. And then if you really want to get into it, just just read the book. American yeah. like, The book is awesome. It's okay. awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Neil Gaiman's like one of the like the writer guys. Like everybody knows yeah, he's Neil great. Gaiman. Everybody's. I think every person has seen at least one Neil Gaiman thing. He's just so prolific. I mean, TV, film, novels. I mean, he's comics. He's just everywhere. Yeah, he's, he's like the writer guy. He's really great. He's like a Stephen King type, where everybody just knows him as like oh he's like oh yeah that guy writes everything. The guy. He yeah, he's like that guy. Yeah. Um, I, very very true i saw stardust a long time ago to the point where i didn't even remember it very well mm-hmm. and to the point where i even got some parts of it mixed up in my head with like the golden compass oh, like oh the, I saw, one where the, the one where they kill god yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know like i was like because I, I, I was watching the movie and there's a moment where uh thor uh tristan says Oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll bring back a polar bear's head for you. I was like, oh, is this the movie with the polar bears? That's oh, Golden yeah, Compass. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but like for a moment there, I was like, oh, is that this movie? Um, because I thought that was like a, a writer thing where it's like, oh yeah, he's talking about polar bears. He's gonna see polar bears later. No, that didn't, that didn't come Check up at all. Polar bear. Yeah, that didn't come off. That didn't come through at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I had I saw it a long time ago and didn't remember it very well. So it was definitely a surprise for me to watch this movie because it is very different um it's it's very whimsical it's very silly it does have a princess uh bride vibe and that's funny is that gaiman himself said that when he wrote it he wanted it to be princess bride meets midnight run Mm. um so yeah so that's a good it's a good uh good call or or that was vaughn said he wanted his version to be that either way um, cause the Gaiman version of the novel, if you've ever read it, is apparently a little bit darker. Yeah. I read that. I read it in high school. Yeah. It's a little bit darker. It's a little bit more adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, that Vaughn, I think when he took it over, it was like, oh, we want to lighten it up a little bit. Prince, more Princess Bride 
Yeah. Um, less Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what about you, Seth? Was, how uh, was your viewing experience of Stardust? Uh, I think it's a fun movie, for sure. I had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, I think if I were 13 and I saw this movie, I would dig it, too. It is a little bit sexy. It this is sexy. Sex it's a, but it, it also has... Okay, yeah. It like, is sexy. Like I feel like this kicked off your puberty years, <laughs> Miss Megan. I feel like I feel like you watched this movie and you were like, oh. Mm. Uh, oh maybe. Mm. I don't know. I'm trying to think if I like picked up on I was it's, pretty uncomfortable with anything sexy for like a, a long time. Right. Like I like, was a late is, bloomer. This is serving it on the plate of a fairy tale. So it's I like, honestly I think I liked the romance of it more than I liked the sexy part when I was a kid. Now I'm kind of like, or like a teenager. Because again, I wasn't, I was like very uncomfortable with anything sexy until I was, you know, probably older than like most yeah. teenagers. Um, so I think I just liked the, ro- honestly, the romance part of it. Because I was like a sucker for any of that. I loved, I don't know, like the last the last little monologue where they're like, no man can live forever except he who possesses the heart of a star. That shit gets me every single time. Like it's that stuff that I was like obsessed with, not necessarily the like sexy part. I, I, I think that this movie is a fairy tale for grownups or for young adolescents. Uh, it's, it's like the, it's the last bastion of fantasy for, uh, uh, yeah, like like it's yeah. It's it's like grounding it in like real world comedy, mm. you know, real world like expectations, but mm. still a fantasy. Like I, I, the best thing about this movie is the the comedic timing and uh the use of unexpected. Like it's very unexpected. Like there's lots of bait and switches, lots of uh things that you, you know, like even at the very end it's like the witch almost lets them go, but then that's even yeah. a double, a double yeah. bait and switch, you know? I love like, that part. Yeah. Yeah. So. The the final scenes of that movie are so, so good. Yeah. I will say the plot is a little like, da 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 like, like a little, <laughs> a little, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this Oh, they happened. like wrap it up really neatly at the end? Well, it just like, just like everything is kind of, like, you know what this feels like? It feels... It, it this is this movie may be the most D and D campaign movie I've <laughs> ever watched. Like it feels very really? like like strung like like oh a little mile marker a little mile marker a little mile marker and it's like oh and then very very Deus a machina yeah like yeah. like like something comes out of nowhere to save things and like. It's uh like the, the unicorn moment, like that's weird. That's such a weird moment. I never, every time I watch it, I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> Why are the stars talking to him? Yeah, there's a lot that doesn't make sense. And, and then that yeah. doesn't come up again either. It never does. They don't talk no. to him again after that. It's like, no. you guys are watching all this unfold. You could have like told him all this information. Everything. Yeah. Your, <laughs> yeah. your mom like, is a like, princess. Hey. Uh, here's the play-by-play here. This is what's going on over there. This is yeah. what's going on over there. Oh, Avoid all of that. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. Your your power to shine can kill the fucking witch. 
and you well, can't do that sooner. <laughs> she had to have she didn't him. Know. She had to have him. She signs Bryce. She used to do it. She used to do it in the sky no, all the but time. But she got knocked out of the sky. It's much but, harder to do she, it when she, you're not in the sky. Hold when on, you're not Seth. home. Hold on, Seth. She explained that she needed him in yeah. order to be able to shine again. Yes. Okay. Duh. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. The best. Thing, I, yeah. The best thing in this movie is the brothers. The brothers are the oh, best yeah, yeah. thing. They're very funny. They're so fun. Yeah. Uh, and also, Seth. Another and Michelle point Pfeiffer. Order. <laughs> and yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. She's a fox, baby. She is. Oh. She's so hot. <laughs> so He's hot. He's fighting his fist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> And then that moment where she like gets all young and pretty again. She oh, takes hot, off her clothes yeah. and she's looking at her butt. She's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> she's so hot. She is, yeah. I love Michelle Pfeiffer. We all agree with her. Michelle Pfeiffer is hot to this day. Yeah. She I'll is say it. so hot. Um, other thing about the star thing is like, oh, you can incinerate one person but not another person? You can like direct your, <laughs> your yeah. shine blasting powers? She, well, she did say clo- – <laughs> I, will, I will defend. She said close your eyes. <laughs> So it has to go through your eyes and then explode your body? <laughs> yeah, these who are all it, valid. And then who these doesn't close their eyes when something bright's shining? Like, at some point, just be like, ow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it burns. I, that, oh God, the biggest bird in the world. Holy shit, hold on. <laughs> the biggest bird I've ever seen in my life just flew by my window. Oh, wow. <sighs> okay, sorry. <laughs> um, it looked like a hawk. Anyway. Um, there are lots of, yeah, I, those are all very valid. Some stuff just like, you have to like give into the fantasy of it and be like, okay. I, yeah, I, so I get what you're saying, Seth. It's, yeah. It's very traditional fantasy in that way where like traditional fantasy is like a like progress bar sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yes. And like Greek mythology was like that a lot of times too. You have to do this and then you have to do this and you have to do this and then you fight the big bad and then the story's over. Like it's very mm-hmm. traditional storytelling kind of like you like said milestones which is which is interesting also again uh when neil gaiman did the audiobook it was like 10 hours long it was a long it was long um and so he is like oh shit you guys have to cut out a lot so there was a lot of stuff that they cut out in this movie this movie could have been easily five five hours long is what gaiman said a lot um, happens. Yeah, a lot happens in the book that they had to cut. And so, like, things sometimes I think felt sped up because they're just like, you know what? That's not really that important. Like, that's just kind of, like, fluff and flavor to, like, add, you know, color to this thing. Like, let's trim that. And so, like, for example, yeah. the the Babylon candle that Thornton – that Thornton. I keep calling him Thornton that because uh, his last Tristan. name is Tristan and Thorn. Tristan got uh, – in the movie, he his mom gives it to him. In the book, he has to go – you know, like you said, very traditional fantasy. He has to go and get it from in stormhold somewhere so like they're just like ah we're just gonna give it to him (laughs) and then it's like okay now he's now he's at the stars like okay that just cut that just cut out an hour of the movie yeah (laughs) so yeah you're totally right like it does feel string strung together because it is i do yeah i do agree i also like yes um the kind of ending I think for me it still works because it does still feel very like, yeah, everything kind of falls into place perfectly, but it feels mostly like it has been set up well enough that I'm like, okay, that ties together. Like I feel like closure when it ends. I'm like, okay, you're like stringing back something that you mentioned like two hours ago mm-hmm. and it does feel very purposeful. Like it is Dao Ex Machina, but it, it at least doesn't feel as lazy as when other movies do it. 
I right, you tried. I genuinely believe it's the it's the cast that that makes this movie. It's the it's the charisma of this cast yeah. that that truly makes it work because I think I think if like it, not every single person, especially like the main roles, they weren't just hitting it spot on. It yeah. could have easily have been not not Cheesy. great. It could have been a mess. It could have yeah. been a mess. I, in my opinion. Because it is cheesy, but in, like, an endearing way. Yeah. Because everyone all... feels like they, like, yes. know – they're, like, in on it. Yeah. Yeah. They're all playing in the same sandbox, and it feels it feels like it's cohesive, where, like, sometimes in these types of movies, one person's playing it in a completely different way, and it really kind of, like, makes everything feel awkward. They all yeah. are playing from the same playbook, and it, so it's like, okay, at least everything's cohesive, and it feels all, all of one, which is good. Yeah. Well, I think I think that – it, that's what I'm saying is like the fantasy story, the plot itself. It's like they know it doesn't really matter. Like really, what's yeah. what's really what matters is that there's like it's it's like funny and taking you're this, having fun. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a fun fairy tale. You know, yeah. it's an adult fun, adult fun fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of the plot and the story, for those of you out there who are listening and haven't watched Stardust in a really long time or have never watched Stardust, uh, this is the what is it portion of the show where I just I have a little logline here just to remind you of what this story's plot is, or at least the general premise. So this is the general premise of Stardust. In a world where our universe is separated from another by a thin boundary, Tristan Thorne foolishly ventures beyond in search of a fallen star for his unrequited love, jumpstarting a fantastical adventure wrought with witches, conceited princes, sky pirates, and true love. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, to cover a lot. That one's a hard. This one was a hard one. This one's a hard one to write because there is so much to cover, and like you said, Seth, like it's not like. It is kind of like quilted together, yeah. so it does feel like if you like don't like kind of comment on each like little portion of it, like you're missing a, a part of the major part of the, the idea. Yeah, because so, you didn't mention that the like I guess it's not a B plot, but it kind of is the prince is looking for the right. Yeah, yeah, the stone, and, but it does all come together. Yeah, yep. Two things. First of all, this movie starts out like real sexy. Like this movie starts. Oh, it out, does. Like, yeah. Like. I was like, whoa. She just wants a, to get hers. Yeah. This is a fairy tale. Like, okay. <laughs> like, hookers. Like, really? Okay. She's not a sex worker. Well, it very much is like implied she just, that she and is even if a she sex was, worker. Like, it's not. I didn't get that vibe. Uh, and even if she was, go off. That's fine. But I, I didn't get that vibe. I think she just like is bored and probably I mean, her life doesn't seem that sick. So I think she's just like. Whenever there's a cute boy, she's like, well, he approaches, he approaches the, the witch's stand or whatever. Yeah. And the witch is like, see anything you like? Like, it's very like, like, oh, she says that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like, madam, like, you don't know that. Oh, I thought she was just flirting. (laughs) No, I, 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 I wait, do you mean his mom? Yeah. His mom's not a witch. No, the witch. So, so, uh, uh, Whatever water, backwater sow or whatever, ditch water sow. Ditch water sow. Ditch water sow. So, so his dad crosses the wall. He goes to the the market, right? Yeah. And this is the first scene we have. Yes. In wall. In in in. It's not story. the first. The first scene is that like mythic, like the really pretty star, like 
stargazer. I'm guy. saying it's the, it's the first scene we have in the storm, storm, yes. whatever. Yes. Uh, and so he walks over. The first thing he sees is when he walks in is this woman, old lady, and then this really attractive woman behind her. And yeah. the old it's not lady, the first thing he sees. He sees the elephants first. Uh, sorry, the sorry. Elephants. And then the old lady, the first words out of her mouth are, see anything you like? And I it's don't like think a, that's, no, it's the mom that says that. She doesn't. She's like no. annoyed that the. No, it's, the, it's yeah. the old lady. It's the old lady. No, no. I'll, I'll review and let Let's you guys check. know. Give me a second. Because I swear the, the witch is like annoyed that he's in her way at all and like can tell that he, she he's into her like. I don't know, uh, servant girl. And so she leaves to go like get a beer. And then the mom is like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. It's very mad. I'm bored and like, alone. It's very like, I don't, I'm, it's very mad. Maybe. Like. I don't know. I just got the vibe that she was bored and wanted to hook up with a hot guy. And I was like, go off sis. That's good See, for you. I, I, I don't remember. I'm checking. I'm checking who's, who spoke first, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing a play-by-play here. But uh, this is what <laughs> I felt in that scene. I don't feel like it was portrayed that way because of how angry and, like, how scared Una is acting, which is the the ends up being Tristan's mom. She yeah. is acting about interacting with him. And, like, he asks about, like, the glass flowers, right? And the first one is, like, you know, he's like, I like that. And she's like, well, that would either cost uh, all your memories, all your memories. B- before the age of three or something else. And I the can't color remember. of your hair. The color I've seen of your this movie hair. so many times. Yeah, the color yeah. of your hair, which are like, could be not a really big deal or a very big deal. And then he's like, oh, uh, yeah, not that one. <laughs> so like, he's like, what about this one? And she's like, this one costs a kiss. And so like, it, it, I feel like this is all her, like her seeing a young man that she's never seen before. And again, the, the, a lot of this movie is like, this is weirdly getting into some of the theme gleaming stuff here is about people coming together who probably shouldn't have met. Right. And like this very star cost lovers, type of idea. And so I think she's very taken by him from the first time he, she sees him. And so I think this is all her because of the way she acts about like hiding the fact that, that they're having sex like a uh, ditch water salad does not want her to keep the baby. Like all that stuff is like, Oh, and you, you should not have had sex with that young man. Yeah. And then the next time we see ditch water Sal and his mom, she's a bird. She's like, she's a bird. So what I, I assumed was like, she, you know, got pregnant and ditch water Sal wasn't psyched and made her send the baby away. And also was like, okay, you have to be a bird now. Yeah, you don't get you don't get to be a pretty woman I anymore. I don't trust you. You have to be a bird. Yeah. So that's the vibe I got. She was being like punished for for that. I I don't I don't think that she was okay. I don't think that it is clear that Ditchwater Sal is a madam. That's not what I'm saying. But the portrayal of it at the beginning of the movie felt like that. Feels like that intentionally. Like. Like, oh, young man goes to New City and gets a hooker, you know? Like okay. that's, Oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, like, 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 oh, young man ventures out for the first time and goes Sex to Sex worker. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Go, goes to, like, these the sordid lands and takes place in hedonistic uh, frivolity. You know, like, that's, that's the vibe at well, the beginning that- of the movie. I honestly, when I watch it, I like it because it's just, like, 
<laughs> I don't get that vibe uh, at all. Uh, I get the vibe of okay. what? So, so I'm watching the scene right now. <laughs> Am I right? Okay, so so he's walking through this like bazaar basically, and he sees this beautiful woman in front of this in front of this the cart, and she is like standing there like in, a, in that dress, and she is like like twiddling her thumbs and she like smiles at him. It's kind of suggestive. It's kind of uh-huh. suggestive. But then Ditchwater Sal pops up and goes, I don't, I don't wa- uh, spend time on time wasters or something like that. Basically it's like, like either buy something or move along. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I'm still watching it. So I stopped there. So it's ki- still kind of suggestive. Let me see here. And then she says, I'm going to go get a pint. Okay. And then she tells, she tells Una, say, get over here and like deal with this guy. I'm going to get a drink. It's, it seems like, it very much seems like it, she's a sex I can, worker. I can no, see I how disagree. It, I can see how it can be read that way. <laughs> it's, okay. However, I will say the, the, the way that Ditchwater Sal is acting does not suggest that. The way that Una is acting kind of does. Because she's like just so enamored by him right away. And she is like being very sultry with him that it like it can in other media that we've seen i think that the way she's acting is 100 indicative of like of like a sex worker trying to get a get a john for the night you know what i mean mm. and so yeah. and so i get what Seth's saying i will say the way that ditchwater sal is being so flippant and be like whatever i don't care like yeah like is it kind of counteracts that because she's not being like oh do you like do you want to like come and like buy something like she's like fuck this i'm out of here she doesn't care yeah. and so uh, they kind of counteract each other if that makes sense i i guess yeah i guess i can see how it could be read that way i always watch it like i really like una a lot you like barely see her but she's like i just for the five or ten she's minutes so she's pretty. on the screen She's, I just like that she's in a really shitty situation and her, she's like, I'm going to make the best of it and just sees a hot guy and goes for it. So that's what I just viewed it as her being like making the best of. It's not, it's not a judgment. What I'm saying. No, no, but I'm just saying I prefer to frame it as like girl kind of stuck where she is and is like, fuck it. Let's see if this guy will kill some time. (laughs) I'm not slut shaming, you know more power to you you know like yeah sex work like, is work yeah like i don't yes that's not yes, what I'm yes. Saying. I don't, it's not a judgment but what i'm saying is is that is the first scene of the movie yeah it's so yeah it's, it's very seductive the whole thing it no is. matter how you look at it sex work no sex work she's getting hers and 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 babies were made you know like and so so that that's interesting yeah. that that's the first scene of the movie for it a is. fairy tale. Uh, I do want to say, can I like pitch about that? I think that the thing that I'm saying about Una and why I like her so much, and I think this happens in a, well, I don't know. I don't watch or read a lot of fantasy. So it uh, to me, it seems like this is true of the genre a lot more than it is of other genres. Like the, the female characters in this movie are so their own, like they've got their own shit going on. Like they've got their own mission and their own, they're like serving their own needs and they speak those needs or wants or like even if they're like evil like all of the female characters in this movie are so much fun to watch and i think that's I why like i love that i don't person. think claire danes is fun to watch 
Well, she's a star. So it's, you don't think she's fun to no. watch? She's, she's, so she's a star. She's, she's a star. She's boring. <laughs> she's so, like... She, well, compared to like Michelle Pfeiffer and Claire Danes is maybe the most unlikable character in the film, I think. More, more unlikable than oh, Ricky think, Gervais. More than Humphrey. Oh, or Ricky Gervais. <laughs> or Humphrey, or what's her face? The girl in the beginning. I, I mean, Victoria at least is fun to hate. You know, like, <laughs> that's true. Like that's true. It's easy to hate yeah. Victoria, but like, like honestly, the difference between. You know, uh, 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 Ivan, Ivania, Ivane, or whatever, and Victoria is very slim. They're both kind of cunty. They're both Whoa. like, they're both like, <laughs> not throwing that word around. Not very nice. They're not very I... nice. <laughs> to be fair to Ivane, he, he like comes from the sky. Lands uh-huh. on top of her and immediately uh-huh. is like, I own you. I'm bringing it back yeah. to this girl I love. Traps and like, her. And like, yeah, ens- enslaves her. So yeah. like, you know, maybe a little bit room to be a little snappy. A I, little think, I think I think I like that she's like, fuck you, like right away. That's fair. She should be. But she's just not very, like, you don't really like her at all until. I like her. Uh, I, I, I like her I, don't, I, I think she's kind of meh. Hmm. Again, compared to Michelle Pfeiffer, who's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I think all the periphery cool. characters in this movie are awesome, pretty much. Robert De Niro. Yeah. Except... Oh, Robert De Niro. I think, I think uh, Charlie Cox and Claire Danes are lame. I think that they are they are the, the problem, like the problem with the movie. I don't think they have chemistry. I don't think... Oh, I think I, they do. Yeah, I don't That's think... Clever. I don't... I don't like that. I don't like those two, but... Mm. Uh, and then the other How thing, dare you insult Daredevil? And then the other thing, the uh, the number two thing that I wanted to address was okay, I can handle the the plot being this, you know, milestone style classic fairy tale plot with Deus and Machina or whatever. But the last the ending, like him choosing to go talk to Victoria after he just like boned <laughs> down Yvonne like in the morning what the he was what? going he was going to tell he to be fair even though he 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 was in love with Victoria they were also friends they're just yeah. friends and he was going to tell her that he doesn't love her anymore and that he isn't has fallen in love with someone else and that's what he it's his- he was going to tell his friend like hey like don't no. like cuz like she doesn't love Humphrey no. She does. She's looking way- for a reason to not marry Humphrey, and like he's like, I have to tell her that I shouldn't be that reason. Well, and I think also it's part of his like it's a coming of age story at the end of the day, and that's part of his like yeah standing up for himself. He's let her walk all over him, so I think I understand. Obviously, it's for the plot. Like there would be no cool like final scene, no big like race to the wall, no like they need that for the plot. But I think given the character's arc and like him being like still, I don't know how old is he supposed to be like 18, 20 something. I think it's believable that he would be like, actually I have to tell this girl to go fuck herself and then I'll be back. I mean, at like, least, I feel like that. I buy conversation, it. You know, like, yeah. Like, yeah. But they need a plot. Instead he creepily, creepily cuts her hair in bed and then, and then, and then goes downstairs and doesn't tell her that he's leaving. 
This bothers me too. I'm like, leave a note, write like it down. Anything, like, <laughs> like anything. It just doesn't. It's just yeah. such a plot hole. Like he tried to write it down. The guy wouldn't give him a pen. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. And then, um, and then, to top it all off, the star like, at, like a zombie walks towards the wall. <laughs> I think she. Like, why is she walking to the wall? In the first place. I think she might have been trying to go to Tristan and Victoria. I guess. It just, it doesn't. To like be like, hey, I guess I'm here. I guess I'm going to just sacrifice myself. She doesn't know that though. She doesn't know that. She doesn't know that she's going to die when she crosses She doesn't know she's going to turn into No, no, I'm just saying like, I'm just saying like, it doesn't make sense for her to like present herself to Victoria now. Like, No, it doesn't. These are fair. These are fair critiques. And, and, yes. And while we're on the subject of the wall, real quick, before we get into our theme gleans, <laughs> I do want to talk about a couple the, scenes before we yeah, get the so freaking guard. Like the first time we saw, oh, like, cutie, he's like, yeah. like, like uh, uh, the dad, Dunstan goes through the wall. He comes back. He's like, oh, I'm never letting that happen again. So I guess in that time, he like trained and freaking like Muay Thai or some shit. Mm. <laughs> when Tristan tries to cross the wall, he like is doing yeah. flips over the wall and doing like freaking master <laughs> splinter moves. Yeah. And then doesn't also... do that again later. And he's just like, I'm an old man. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm over yeah, it. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Also that wall is not up that with high. You, no. I, every time they pan out from the hole, I'm like, well, you could just go like 20 feet up the the length of it and hop on over. But I my guess impression does is that. that, and maybe this, maybe this is explained in the book. You, I, maybe, I don't know. But like, my impression is that like, like this, this kind of like magical realism type stuff and fantasy type things like this, where it's like, oh, there are worlds beyond worlds. And like how to get to those worlds is like this. It's like, Okay, so there has to be a very specific way. Because, like, the rest of our world exists around England. So, like, on the yeah. other side of that wall, England still exists. It has to. Like, there still has to be the rest of the world beyond that wall. So, the way yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm reading it is that, that hole in the wall is a literal breach in between the veil. And, like, that's the only way. That's in the, the only way to get through. Like, if you climbed over okay. the wall anywhere else – it doesn't work because like that break is literally where the break and the breaks in reality are like, okay, otherwise, otherwise you just go to, on the other side of the wall in England. I don't yeah. have any basis of evidence of that, but like I that it. wouldn't make sense to me because otherwise it's like, does this wall go around the whole fucking earth? Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. No, and somewhere. Or just, com- yeah. 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 I was just going to say what I just, I, I just want to gas up my favorite part. Gas them up. Some of the, this movie has some of my favorite scenes in any movie. Like the that whole I, I think the couple that I'm gonna talk about, there's like kind of this morbid not realism, but like they're not afraid to be like kind of scary and like gross. Or at least like like the the shot of Sal's head being cut off and her running around without a head horrified me when I was 13. <laughs> but I was a part of me was like actually like it's I don't know. It's kind of like it's a mix of romantic and also like gothic and spooky. And I really like that a lot. What about um, and when then the, the princess scene... push pushes her brother out the window? Oh, yeah. Like one of the opening scenes. Yeah. Megan, you should really play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> 
Maybe I really... could get a game. Go- I could get a game going for us. Yeah, I'm just saying. I would need to learn about it. It's really, it's really. I'd not be that down. Hard. I'll try it. It's not that hard. I'll try it. And it's exactly this. Like, yeah, like a little bit of silliness and a little bit whimsical. Everybody acting all foolish, and then really dark, dark, horrific, like violence. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I'll play. I'll try it. I'm down to get a game going for you guys. And, and okay. you get dice. You can pick your own dice, and they can be whatever color and pretty. Can they be sparkly? Oh, yeah. my God. There's so oh, many yeah. sparkly dice out there. I want a sparkly one. I have okay. so many dice. Some of them are but I was the other, the other scene that I want to talk about, one of my favorite scenes ever, is the um, when they're the sword fight at the end. Actually, the whole castle scene at the end. But when she's using him as like a little voodoo oh. doll. And they're sword fighting. It's so cool. It's so cool every time. I love it. That is a pretty horrific scene. She's like, "Look, I have a little clay man. Let me break your arm and, and break like your leg." And like, "Oh my I god!" Know, like whoever, and like that actor you. doing that was so cool. And like the shot of him drowning in just suspended in the air. Mark Strong is so cool. I think it's Jeremy so Strong's cool. brother. If I'm not mistaken. Are you anyone? Any Succession fans out there? Yeah. I, I think it. Mark Strong is Jeremy Strong's brother. Who's Jeremy Strong? Uh, he's Kendall in Succession. Oh, that makes sense. They look they look a lot alike. I think they are brothers. Let me let me make sure that that's true. He's an actor. Yeah. Um. Uh, Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, okay, continue. Yeah. <laughs> Any other scenes you love? That that, that's really it. <laughs> I just, like, it blew my mind when I was 13 that, like, they came up with that and made it look so, like, I feel like it holds up pretty well. It still looks really cool. Um, and then I also just, I mean, I really, really love the whole, the whole last 20 minutes of this movie are just some of my favorite. Like, Oh, they're not related. Huh. Movies. No? no, I was for sure they were, but they're not. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what's his face was a uh, was an unknown before. Well, succession. Well, it doesn't mean he they're not related. Stuff, but um, yeah, I I think I think the like I said, the brothers are the glue to the movie. You know, yeah, they're really good. They're really good. Uh, I, I like that. You know, the movie takes turns <coughs> to places we don't expect, like going to the Sky Pirates. You know, mm-hmm. like that's a yeah. whole you know genre. <coughs> uh, mm-hmm. It's like you know that could be a whole season of a TV show if 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 you wanted it to be. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I I enjoy the world of the film. Like the the world of the film is great. Um, I agree that the brothers. Are like <coughs> a, a lot of my favorite scenes have the brothers in them. Like, I really love the. Um, the poisoning the bishop scene. Oh yeah, that's fun. You could make a whole movie uh, just about all their deaths. You know, like yeah, I'm curious about like each of them, and um, yeah, the runes. I always really like that rune scene where he's like questioning the 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 guy with the runes, mm. and he throws them in the air, and then like the way that slow mo happens. Shot, I shot that in Iceland. Iceland. That is beautiful. Yeah. That whole I, the music's fun. You know what it is? It's like maybe this is a good way to put it. It's like we were given this rich, rich, rich world, and we kind of got a bad DM. Like, like we kind of got a. I love this. Like, 
no, the story's good. It's not about the story. Uh-huh. Like there, there's like, it's just, I don't think it was like, we got a, we got a bad dungeon master that got a, got a hand, uh, uh, like got their hands on this book. It's, know? it's a little, it's a little pasted together. Yeah. Yeah. And That's like, it, it does, it does feel hasty sometimes. Like it does uh-huh. jump, jump from large, large set piece or like large moment to like another section of the story and does kind of like not the connective tissue is not as like there. Yeah. As not as deftly handled. It kind of just jumps. We don't get to, we don't get to know the characters like we want to get to know the characters. Like yeah. we, we don't, we don't get to experience the world with them. It's just kind of happening. And yeah, again, that's a little traditional fantasy, a little traditional like, yeah. mythology, like, like their stand-ins, their archetypes. Well, so to the, to the thing, like, but that's the problem is, is like, I'm having a hard time theme gleaning from this movie. Like it was a oh, great time. Because you're think cause mm-hmm. you're feeling like the themes weren't, cause a lot of theme comes from character, right? Yeah. A lot of like what, like you're supposed to learn comes from the character of it all. And so if the characters weren't like fully developed in that way, it's hard to find a meaning. I get I get what you're saying. Hey, sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you will be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green the Searcher. You know the proclamations of the Fae. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um, and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon in sunny Gullicochica. I think we are at that time. And Megan, you chose this movie. Yeah. That means it's your turn to ask. Ask Seth because he doesn't know. <laughs> no, I know. I feel like you just answered. Okay. I'm going to have to. Sorry, Ricky. I'm going to have to ask you. Uh, Ricky. Yeah. Stardust. Uh-huh. What's it about? What's it about? Okay. I have something that I'm getting from this movie, but I'm having trouble putting it into the exact like right order of words to really express express it in a concise way. But for me, something that I saw in this movie a lot, a motif that came up a bunch of times in this movie is like being able to see things and being seen in a particular way. So, for example, like, obviously the witches are all, like, they want to be seen as, like, these beautiful, young, hot things, right? That's – they want people to see them that way, and there's a lot of vanity in that. And then there's this idea of, like, the way that Robert De Niro's character wants to be seen, right? He's like, I've cultivated this image of myself as this ruthless pirate 
but like even though i'm not that like i i need people to see me like this for my own survival Mm -hmm. but truthfully like he is seen for who he is and he's still respected by his crew no matter what so like and then finally with like claire danes the thing about claire danes is she can't hide her feelings literally whenever she's feeling a particular way it illuminates um and lastly with with tristan he's blind to love until it's shown to him like real love is shown to him right so it's like a lot about these blind spots oh and like dishwater south ditchwater south can't see the star Mm-hmm. So there's like these like there's like a lot of like oh this person doesn't see this person this person doesn't see that person as who they are, so there, a lot of it is for me is like what I like it, it, to the simplest point it's like being seen being seen mm-hmm. is what this movie is about, and like yeah. you don't know what you can't see until it is shown to you. Um, and I think, and for me, I think that's that's it. Truthfully. Um, I think I talked about this on the podcast before about like this idea that certain other cultures don't see the color blue mm-hmm. because because they don't have a concept of the word blue, so they don't see it. So like hmm. there's a, they did this experiment in America and then in in Africa somewhere with a tribe that that has a language that doesn't have a word for blue, and so they showed the Americans a color wheel and it had a bunch of green squares and a blue and a very clearly blue square. And every American's like, that's, yeah, that's the different color. That's blue. And then they showed them a color wheel that had all these green squares. And apparently one of them was just slightly different. And Americans had trouble picking out the difference. They did the same experiment in this African tribe. And they showed them the green wheel, just all green. And they were able to easily pick out the different one pretty consistently. Then they showed them the one that, for us, clearly that's blue as opposed to green. They had so they could not find the blue square. Because they don't have a concept for blue. Interesting. And so, like, you can't see what you don't know you don't see. Right? You never heard that? Uh-uh. It's fascinating. Like, you, you can't understand. You can't even perceive something until you can describe it almost. Until it's given some kind of concept. And so I think yeah. Tristan doesn't even really understand love until yeah, they- it's shown to him. It's illuminated, right? They did that. So that that whole blue thing, there's a whole podcast on it if you want to check it it's out. It's fascinating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like an NPR podcast. It was on uh, – I can't remember uh, what, but like it's it's you can find it out there. Like there's been a lot of yeah. coverage about this experiment recently. It is, mm-hmm. it is fascinating. It's pretty cool. Me. Like if you go back in history and look at like writings of there's – no wor- there's no word for blue and the way they describe – uh, the way they describe like the color of the ocean and things like that is like red. Wine, yeah, oh. the color of wine. The color of wine. Um, I think sometimes they would call it like copper, like the sky copper, stuff like that. So it's almost like blue is a new color in the human color spectrum. Yeah, send me the podcast, please. Yeah, it's fascinating, but you know what I mean. So for me, it's like the, the, what I was seeing in this movie is like these characters have these blind spots. And even like the brothers, I think are a good example of that. They have this this blind ambition, this blind desire to be king, which blinds yeah. them to all the the dangers and the pitfalls of their behaviors, right? And it's not until they die where they're able to get this perspective of like what's actually going on around them. 
uh-huh. that they're able to like, like, cause they're kind of horrible. Like when they're alive, they're mean and they're, they would be villains. You know what I mean? Like, especially Are, Mark Strong, especially uh, Septimus. Yeah. He's a villain until he's dead. In which case he's, he like softens all of a sudden. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah, he does. Once that, I was that thinking, ability to get what he wants is taken away, he's able to widen out and, and, oh, and yeah. see more. I was thinking about that this watch that I've never really thought about before. It, he's the one who pushes yeah. that one out the window in the beginning. I think he might have been the only one who ever killed his brother. I think everyone else didn't. Not for right? lack of he... not for lack of planning on doing it. Because what's his face was killed by the witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one was pushed out the window. Two of them were killed when he poisoned them. And I don't know how many were dead when we first got there. But at the very end, when they're like spirits go in different directions, mm-hmm. he's the only one that goes down. Ah. So I'm thinking maybe he's the only one who killed his brothers. Maybe. Well, um, but I they, hadn't thought about they that before. mentioned, well, no, because the one with the axe in the head, I think said something to one of the other <laughs> ones. It's like, you ki- you put an axe in my head. Okay. Okay. So he's not the only one. But, okay. but also, like, I know, like. Gosh, I, I wish I remember their names. Their names are silly. Um, after Septimus, they're just numbers. After Septimus pushes the first one out the window, and he's like looking down. One of the other ones like kind of walks up behind him. Is like, yeah, his little. He's like he's about to do it, and then he turns around. <laughs> yeah. and He's like, oh, oh, oh. like he was gonna yeah, do it's, it. It's cute. Yeah, like that's true. Like they're 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 all bad. They'll do it, and like even the nice one yeah. who's like your who the priest is like your dad would want you to do it because you're the nice one. Like, he yeah. like maybe doesn't directly try and kill people. But he's not nice. Like the way he starts talking yeah. to, to Evane about the stone and all that. Like he, he's not nice, he's nicer, but he's not, he's nice. not nice. Yeah. They're all blind. Yeah. That's the other thing is like, like he's like having this whole conversation about like the stone and he doesn't even see the danger that's right in front of him. Clearly, yeah. clearly. And it, yeah. he's, blo- he, you know, he's just so, so focused on a single thing. That he can't see everything else that's around it. And that happened. Yeah, I agree. Because that happens again with Tristan when um, Shakespeare is like, your true love is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. But he's so blinded by this thing that he thinks that he mm-hmm. wants. I think the seeing that. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of my, like the monologue that I was, like my little 13 year old self was like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Was when she's talking to him when he's a mouse. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about seeing, like she sees like everything that exactly. mankind is like all of the horrible things and all of the, um, the wonderful things and how like the greatest of all of those things is how people love each other. Mm-hmm. And that's still like one of my favorite monologues, but right. Well, who has, I think a lot of it is how she sees who gets a better look at the bigger picture than a star, right? Like, yeah, literally exactly. has the full, the full spectrum of view for, for ever. Forever. Yeah. Throughout time, which is interesting. So that's where I land. I'm like, there's something, there's something in here about like, what you don't see and what and and what you do see and the way you're seen and the way you want yeah. to be seen. There's something. There is something in there. I'm not sure for me exactly personally what I'm getting out of that, but like that's where my mind is like going the most. Is like there's something about like being able to be seen in here, and yeah. that's where I'm. My my like brain is like there's something in there. That's that's the, where I'm seeing that. What about for you, Megan? I think it's I think it's a fair point to say that it's kind of hard to to pin down a theme because I honestly for me when I watch it it's the 
I'm trying to think of like what gets me about it every time. And, and it's honestly just like the romance of it mm-hmm. and kind of like the, the fact that it all comes together at the end. Like it's kind of comforting, like the way it all ties up where you're like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And the people who are your people will show up for you when you need them. And also just like the very cliche fairy tale thing of like light and hope wins just by existing. Um, and by like, like literally by nurturing her heart, like they, they win. And I think that like that, although I've never really put words to it before, I do kind of like that, that part of the story, even though it is awfully convenient that that's all it takes. Um, well, so yeah, for me, I think it's, it's that. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that thought of like, and it, 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 it kind of even goes along a little bit with like the like being seen part. It's like these characters are forgetting to take care of each other, or at least the mm-hmm. main characters are. So like, the side characters are a little bit better at this, but like the like main players, Tristan, Evane, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Septimus, like who are like the main players in this like oh we got to get the star kind of thing are all mm-hmm. very focused on something and are forgetting to like yeah. are pushing each other out of the way and like basically sabotaging each other to get what they want. They're not, yeah. they're not focusing on the person, the human being in front of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas a side character kind of like uh, uh, Robert De Niro's character is like, let me, like you said, let me nourish the human beings in front of me. And yes. that's like, he has this reputation as this like, horror you know this really nasty pirate and yet he has the the admiration and the respect and the weirdly enough like the love of his crew because they know who he truly who he truly is and how he runs his his ship is with care Mm -hmm. and is with consideration yeah and so i think there is an idea of like yeah like paying attention to the people around you nourishing nourishing their souls and their hearts and seeing them. I think he is really good at seeing them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the parts that they try to hide from other people because he's hiding part of himself mm-hmm. or thinks thinks he's doing a good job of it. And there's um, – I think also it's kind of a, a good reflection on vulnerability. Like the thing that cracks their relationship open and lets, you know, Tristan really see or admit to himself how he feels is her feeling like she's safe to – just spill her mm-hmm. everything she's feeling to him because he's a mouse mm-hmm. and he wanted cheese. So I think that's always a really comforting thing to me to watch. I'm like, oh, sometimes when you just are that vulnerable, you're it's it opens up this whole beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always you know embarrassing or or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that vulnerability hangover is very real, but sometimes it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And when Robert De Niro finally is like, when his crew, you know, says that they know who he really is and like, mm-hmm. they still accept him. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. so comforting for him. That scene where, where Septimus walks in on Robert De Niro, like listening to the can can. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh God, that is so silly. <laughs> so fun. and like watching it because you can see him behind him in like the mirror and it's like oh god Robert yeah. De Niro just went for it it was so, great 
I always get so sad when I watch that because I'm like, oh, he's having such a good time and he's about to be so bummed out. It just, it just, it's like the same feeling when like your parents walked in on you like singing in your room. Yep. <laughs> you were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> You're like, so that embarrassment of like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, obviously not the exact same feeling because yeah. he's a pirate who's supposed to be tough. But yeah, similar embarrassment. Yeah. Um, yeah, but to me, I think it, like what you're saying, the being seen thing goes hand in hand with that, the vulnerability part. Well, yeah, seeing the people, seeing the people in front of you instead of seeing the thing past them, right? Like, like yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer's character doesn't see Evane the person. She sees Evane mm-hmm. the star and what the star mm-hmm. can do for her. And that's all she sees. She has not seen the, you know, if you want to call it like, sure, maybe not quote unquote a human being, but like manifests as a human, as a human. Um, yeah. With feelings. Yeah. And she, she doesn't, heart. Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't see Yvonne as a human, as a person. Yeah. As a, some, as an entity with the soul and feelings. She's like, you're a star. I'm going to get what I need out of you. Um, right. Same with Septimus. Septimus is like, you're, you're a star. You know, I'm going to get what I need out of you. They're not looking at the person. And the only person that looks at her eventually as a person, mm-hmm. not at first, but eventually, is Tristan. And he does get her heart. Yep. And she Cute. blows everybody up. <laughs> uh, but then later they're fine and they live in the sky together. For Also, there's that. Like, I love – I don't know if this is a theme glean, but – there is just so much comfort in watching a movie where at the end, like literally it's like they lived happily ever, like forever. They're healthy and happy and fine. And they're in the sky and nothing can hurt them. And they're together always like that is just, it's comforting. Mm -hmm. It's just, you don't have to give anything up for the happy ending in this movie. And I do like how they, they ask that question of like, because everybody's after her because of the internal life. That she can give, which doesn't make, there seems to be a little plot hole for me here in that the witches the witches <laughs> caught the last star that fell uh-huh. and they did exactly what they're gonna do to to Evane. They did it. Yeah. They, they, they to, to cut someone out that her looks heart. a lot like Kirsten Dunst, but it's not Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> hey, <laughs> watch yourself. We don't disparage Kirsten Dunst here. <laughs> never never uh, but what i was saying oh, I is that they, they already did this once and it didn't give them ever like eternal life they have to keep doing but, it but they but they keep saying like eternal life it's like it's not though it's a like, lo- longer life but it's not eternal <clears throat> well for them does it go away because they're using their powers I don't know. that's a question because that that's the, every time she that's why i'm power, saying there's like a plot her... hole that's not really explored because they keep using the word King, yeah. king forever eternal life be young forever they keep using these terms mm-hmm. and it's like but didn't you do this once before and now you're having to do it again so like is it really forever i don't know but anyway so everybody's looking for this like eter- eternity this eternity mm-hmm. and then so evane asks tristan like what do you think of that like living forever and like his response is like he's or like it'd be sad he's like i think it'd be sad unless you had the right person to share eternity with and we're like yeah. that's interesting so it's like for him it's like everybody else wants eternity because that's what she can give them but for him he's like i don't want that unless mm-hmm. there's a person that i would want to spend eternity with i don't want it alone like a, not yeah. like everybody and really, else yeah to go back to what you said really sees him because she says you're you know there are shop boys and then there are boys who happen to work in a shop and yes 
there's that. Victoria, yeah. There's that's another moment where, where Victorious calls him shop a shop boy and he's like, uh 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 like I'm not a shop boy. I work in a shop. Uh-huh. I'm not a shop boy. Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. That's a good I, point. That's what I relate to. Is being like pigeonholed? Just I I, I feel like I, I I think I have landed on a theme glean. I think I have landed on it all all the synapses clicked yeah. clicked together. Uh, I what mean, is it, to bridge what I was just saying, like, I, I've always like, I'm like more than a shop boy. I'm more than a shop boy, you know, like, like, but I'm a waiter. I'm literally waiting, you know, for my life to happen to me. Uh, but like, I've always felt like I have more in me than just being a waiter. Like, um, so what I think this movie's about so like the title gives a lot away uh so stardust right we are all just stardust like that that is what we all that's like the the old the old phrase is that we are all just stardust and so i think this movie is about you you have your destiny in you you know what your destiny is but you have to be open to it so it's like whatever is inside of you is guiding you the right way, but you have to be open to whatever that is. So it's like this weird feedback loop, right? It's like you have to follow your heart. You have to follow uh, your what, what you feel is you have to go with your gut, but you also have to be open to what the world throws at you. Yeah. And that is in like, that will lead you to your destiny. So destiny being the inevitable end goal, but you, you don't have any idea of really what that is. You just have like a feeling Hmm. that you have to follow. Um, And sometimes it takes a very long time. Yeah, man. Tell me about it. Like, I think uh, at the end when you see that his mom and dad are like back together, I'm always a little <gasps> bit sad. I'm like, oh, well, they didn't get like Constant and Una. 18 years together. <laughs> like he had to really have a lot of patience, his dad. He definitely does. He seemed like he did. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he like, yeah, there's some characters that like I would like to see more of. I think Dunstan is one of them in that. Like I liked him a lot. He, like, yeah. he like, goes to this magical land, has like a dalliance. And then, and then comes back, and then like nine months later has a baby and like raises that mm-hmm. baby by himself, like yeah, like and like is like what a what a guy. He's like a pretty good dad. <laughs> he does. He's like a pretty good dad. He, he was really being does. a father at like eighteen in like provincial yeah. England. He didn't even look really like when the guy hands him the baby. He doesn't even look really that Yeah, concerned. he's not like, he's, he's like, like, what? No. Huh. He's like, okay, I guess this is my baby. I guess this is my baby <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the death, back to Seth's theme. Um, yeah, I think the thing you're saying about, like, not being maybe just a waiter, just a shop boy or whatever, I think the movie is kind of about how, like, I think we're all more than, like, there are so many people in the world who are way more, like, everybody is way more than what they're doing at the moment. Like, that's, everybody has so much more in them, and 
what's the quote, like whole universes in them or whatever. And it's the people who can see that and take the time to like <coughs> really get to know it kind of allow you to nurture that in yourself and make it easier to actually like let that potential turn into something real. Yeah. And so I, I, I will, yes, let it, let us freeze that thought and build on it a little. Like I definitely, that's where I want to live in this comp, like when, with, with my, like what you're saying. Yes. But also around that, like, why do some people not reach their destiny? Like if we look or, or, or fall to their demise, like the bad character or like the villains in this, why are they villains? Right? Like, why do they uh, die? Trying to cut out someone's heart. But I think what it is, is they are consumed by what they think their destiny is supposed to be, as opposed to being open to what their destiny actually is. So mm-hmm. the, the pursuit of your selfish want of what you think you're supposed to be will actually kill you. But if you allow yourself to be open to what the universe is trying to give you and still pursue, pursue your desires, but not, not consumed by them Mm. to the point where you hurt, hurt others. Well, I think, I think there's a, I think what you're trying to get at here is like, there's a difference between exploring something exploring an idea like being of questioning or you know if you, you should think cross the wall you should cross right. the wall you should cross the wall because you need to but you should fight that old man yes. fight that old man and cross the wall <laughs> freaking old man uh but the difference between a tristan and a septimus or between a tristan and a michelle pfeiffer um, not real Michelle Pfeiffer, the character in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always forget her name. Is they have yes, is they have a something that they think they know. I am this. This is what I am. Right? It's a they're 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 pinpointing a thing. That's their that is their destiny, and they're saying this is this is my destiny. Instead of being like, let me just go see. They're saying this is it, and no matter, and this is what I'm going to get, right? It's like the difference is like being open and being directed. Yeah, I'm also thinking that maybe I'm trying to tie. This might not be a, a valid point at all, but she's definitely running away from something. Like she's trying to avoid the inevitable. Mortality. Like she's she is motivated by fear. And I just wonder if there's a way to, I think Septimus, they never like directly say it, but I think you can make the case that he is too. Um, And the other characters I think are, at least Tristan is definitely like running towards something. Like he is open to whatever the future brings, which to be fair is easier. Not at first he isn't. Yeah. At first he's, he's, well, he is running towards something. Like he's excited about, however, I will say he's, He's blinded by he's set. He's his own. His made up. right. Yeah, I'm yeah. in love with Victoria. My destiny is to be with Victoria. Like how's that I feel? Need to how's do... that feel to say? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I feel like you just did something mean. What? <laughs> what? Ricky, don't listen to him. What did he do? <laughs> 
you don't think that you don't think that crosses you don't think that crosses my mind every time I hear that name. (laughs) Just saying, like as soon as this movie as soon as this movie started and I heard that name, I went, "Oh Jesus." He wasn't supposed to be with Victoria, Ricky. Shut up! (laughs) I'm cutting out all of this. I'm confused. I know, you're confused. We could talk about it after. after, Because I try and avoid names on this show, Seth. I didn't say anybody's name. You know exactly what you said. You did. about the movie. I'm talking about the movie. You know exactly what you said. (laughs) You're laughing about it. It's my life because you know what you did. You know why. (laughs) <laughs> but what I was saying was he 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 is running towards something, but he's running towards something very specific because he thinks that his destiny is Victoria. And so he's blind to all the things that he's doing that are kind of really shitty. You know, specifically yeah. enslaving kidnapping. <laughs> Evain, yes. And, A kidnapping. And she's like woman. and she's like, You're gonna give me to this woman that you love? Yeah. And he's like, Well, no, no, no. Just gonna show you to her. And then, and then, and then you can go. Yeah, on. and like, but like at yeah. that point, it's like, she, like I would, if I were her, I would believe that. You know, I would not believe yeah, him. But she doesn't really have another no, she choice. Doesn't. And but like, yeah. And then she runs away, and he's like, he's like, oh man. <laughs> and then he's yeah. able to like rescue her, kind of. And then it's like all okay. But but then they're mad at each other again. It's it's, it's yeah. weird. It's weird. Like some of his questionable behavior is kind of erased for the fact that like. We all understand that he's not a bad person. He's just really misguided and he's young. Right. It's a coming of age yeah. story, like literally. But, so but like, you're going to, there are going to be those mistakes. Yeah. He kidnaps a person. He does, he does do that. <laughs> and it, like, like, it's like, Oops, and, drag, and like drags her through the forest. He does. It's like, and she's he like, does, I'm tired. And he's like, well, that's too damn bad. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on walking. And all you need. And yeah. this movie teaches us that all you need to get the girl is a cool jacket and long hair. That's I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Sometimes that's true. <laughs> I was gonna say a magical chain that that's doesn't allow wrong. her to leave. Ooh. They, he breaks the ch- the unicorn breaks the chain, so it's fine. Stupid unicorn. My favorite fleet. That unicorn got set on um, fire. The, the fat. Fa- that unicorn the is phallic horse. Yeah. <laughs> the phallic I, horse. No, stop it! I hate that. Just like the white window. Oh, I hate it. Uh, no, so I think. So dumb. I'm trying to think of what the. I think they just wanted a makeover scene. Every every good movie, every good movie has a. We makeover needed scene. peak Charlie Cox. Fact. We needed peak. Yeah, that was also a funny part of this movie where his hair was short, and he looked down, <laughs> and then and then he's like, like he's cutting his hair, and then it cuts and yeah. it cuts back, and now it's long, and it's like and he's yeah. like, <laughs> huh? <laughs> like it's practically you're just missing like him looking at the camera yeah. at in that scene where he's like, what the hell yeah. happened? How'd my hair yeah. get long? Yeah, Magic. yeah. I think I also was kind of disappointed by her just to veer into clothes for a second. I like her dress, the blue one, mm. but it's a little boring. I was kind of bummed. All her clothes are like, kind of boring. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they could have done <laughs> a lot funny. more with that. Like, even Robert De Niro's like, she's like, he's like, here, I have some dresses for you. And, and she's like, I'm fine. He's like, you're in a bathrobe. Like, you're wearing a bathrobe. <laughs> like, yeah. come on now. Like, I guess, but yeah. you know, she's a star. What do you say? They have a fashion and clothes. Nothing. I guess. They shine from within. I just like put some. Put some sparkles on that blue dress. Make it look like us. I just there's so many uh, little gosh. things they could have done. No, a little. No, it's okay. She's a star. She's a star. She's a star. <laughs> I think 
this is something that I'm having a problem with with this movie is like the personal aspect of it. As far as like what yeah. do, what does it make me f- feel? And I think something Megan that I think you it seems very clear to me is that like the love part of this movie does hit you in the feels. And like there's a bit yeah. of nostalgia wrapped in there, but I think like something you said that I wanted to, to kind of like circle back to and then like almost like bring it back to Seth's a little bit too is like I'm here. I'm just letting more yes. in. Sorry. What is it about this like idea of this like light and love and nur- and nourishing each other that really gets you the most and like hits you in like in a more person in a more personal way? Um, and I think mm. for me, Seth, like this idea of like destiny and things like that is like something that I've struggled with as far as like not destiny per se. Like I don't think I'm predetermined to get to a specific thing but i do think there is an idea of potential right the potent the potential of something and that's where i tend to have my pitfalls is like when i meet somebody a person like if we're gonna go romantically here um the idea of the potential of what that could become is really exciting and i get i think sometimes i get taken away by it and i will ignore red flags because I'm because I'm taken away by the potential of what that that could become in the future, um, yeah. and that also goes for like work stuff too. Like I'm an obviously as, a, as an actor, like you'll audition for a thing, and like the the excitement of the potential of what that could mean for your future career and things like that. It like it makes you susceptible to like to like a lot of different things, a lot of different things, uh, being taken advantage of, just just a lot of disappointment disillusionment and it, it can be tough and so like putting putting pressure on a, f- a potential future i think is where pain can happen but to go back mm-hmm. to this like idea of like love and nourishment megan what what where do you feel like that's coming from ah hmm. oh, god I don't, I don't, I feel like honest, I'm sure that it, there's some sort of source for why I gravitate towards stuff like this. I feel like it's inherent. Like, I feel like it's just this, like. <sighs> you got a great big ball of want in you for, uh, for romantic, like, it, it seems like you have always probably had this feeling inside of you that is recognized in these romantic comedies, like any of these movies that we've seen that you really like are all kind of like, if you boil it down is like, there is something in your heart that tells you that there is somebody out there for you that is your person. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like that's how I, felt when I because a lot of the movies that we're talking about that I pick that are about love are movies that I loved when I was like I first saw when I was a teenager and I definitely felt that way when I was a teenager um even though like I think I try to I try to intellectualize all of it um and like be like cool about it but I'm not like I'm a big like I'm such a sucker for all that stuff um and when I was younger I definitely thought that there was only one person like there was like a soulmate and this like great big romance. Now I think I'm less like there. I don't necessarily believe there is exactly like one person. 
But I do still love these movies because I like, I think my idea of romance has changed and I think I enjoy the idea of like just infusing it in your life everywhere. Kind of like sprinkling that throughout because I've just learned like you can't, I think I know logically that you cannot rely on another person to make your life romantic and magical and, and whatever. But deep down, I definitely still want that. Yeah. And in my, I'm like, doesn't everybody, I feel like I don't, but also like growing up as a very girly, you know, girly girl, (laughs) there's no other word for it. Like I was also fed all of these things. Like this was the thing you were supposed to want. Like I never, I was never like a planning my wedding kid, but I was like, I love romantic comedies and, you know, YA books about romance and romantic poetry. And I just ate all of that up. So it was also, I was like indoctrinated in this, this world. And the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, that's kind of fucked up because like once, cause I've been in love and like the feeling that I got after, like, I was like, oh, this is like, I'm in love. I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> like, you have to build a life outside of that. So I think my understanding of what it brings to my life has gotten more nuanced, but I definitely still at its core. Yeah. I want that. So, so what you're, if we boil it down, if we boil it down, then it's what you're, what you're yearning for is like a wholeness. Yes, that I think I'm I've I'm coming to terms with the fact that that's not from another right. person. But however, well, I, I, I will say I think like something about this movie, like that's kind of it's like this idea of like literally binary stars, right? Mm-hmm. Like these two entities in space that are linked to each other. And uh, th- yeah. what I was looking back at, uh, sorry if it looked like I was, uh, I was listening. I was just looking back at the last few movies that you picked: hmm. Sleepless in Seattle, uh, Roman Holiday, Moonstruck. Um, yeah, these are movies where two people are accidentally find each other. Yeah, and this is this starts Stardust too. Yeah, and I think. I and I think I can relate to you on this a lot because I am extremely susceptible to this type of thinking and like to go back mm-hmm. to like Seth's point of like this idea of like potential and de- and future and things like that like for me sometimes when things lo- think you know it's that fallacy of like when a coincidence comes up and you as- ascribe meaning to it yeah. after the fact mm-hmm. um it happens to me all the time where yeah. especially in romance where I'm like oh my gosh, wouldn't that, this is such a crazy story. Wouldn't that be insane? Like if this was like. That would make a good be- story yeah, to tell Yeah, wouldn't later. this be crazy if this is the beginning of like my marriage? I'm always. You know. I'm, yeah, I'm always like this would make a really good When Harry Met Sally vignette mm-hmm. if I have like a good story. And like, <laughs> like and so I'm really susceptible to that kind of stuff where I'm like, for example, I like, uh, last year I shot a movie uh, and uh in the movie, there's a there was an actress who came on uh, the movie as a smaller part, and we were talking, and I found out that she went to my alma mater, uh, University of Missouri, uh, and I was like, "Oh, that's so crazy! That's so weird! It's, it's amazing!" And turns out she so she she's 
seven years younger than me. So I had graduated and she had came in the year after I had graduated. So she, we didn't ever go to school together. It was like a year difference. Like I was out of school for a year and that's when she started. But there was crossover in the people that we knew, even mm-hmm. over like a seven year difference, which is I think a little bit weird. So, mm-hmm. and I was like, did you know this person? And I named my ex, my ex. And she's like, yeah, I knew blah, 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 blah. And I was like, and I was like, and then we listed all these people. I was like, wouldn't it be crazy if like this was the beginning of a relationship? Like, this yeah. like two people separated. <laughs> like, hear me like, out. <laughs> I went to school. We didn't go to school what together. If? I we moved fell away. I moved away. And yeah. then I moved to LA. Like I moved to Chicago and yeah. then LA. And then she like, graduated four years later. Yeah. And then moved to LA. And then we randomly got cast on the same movie. And knew other people, specifically yeah. my ex, like uh, uh-huh. of all people. I was like, I was like, this would be insane. <laughs> Wouldn't it be silly and goofy if we fell madly in love? Yeah. Wouldn't that just be so, wild? <laughs> and this other person is already in a committed relationship and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm, so, my brain wants to find those things where it's like, oh yeah. Oh, maybe like weirdly enough, this coincidence is like the thing that links us. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. saying that it was our destiny to meet, but like. I think when the weird coincidence happened like that, it's easier to like lock in in a certain well, cause way. Well, because you like, um, for me at least, so I'm I'm projecting mm-hmm. on you, but I like the idea that the universe has conspired to bring two people together. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that the universe has conspired to do a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think at, like at the heart of it, it's that, like even like all of the, because that's, there are tons of stories about that, you know, mm-hmm. like you go through all these like and like countless Taylor Swift songs about it where you go through all She's these. She's the like, authority on love. Not so as she is, not so great experiences, but it was all to like form you into the person who could like be in this this like once in a lifetime position partnership. Yeah. My romance yeah. like my view on romance and like what this conversation and like how it should evolve potentially, maybe within you and within who anybody is that instead of maybe, maybe it does exist, right? Like maybe your person does exist. Maybe this yearning for wholeness does exist, but it's more about finding someone that lets you be whole instead of someone that makes you whole. That's exactly what I think in the last few years, that is something that has been a very like enlightening and enriching thing. Yeah. Less uh, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Not with, right, which I never yeah, liked. Not like you, yeah. you, you're incomplete without another person. It's like you can be well, complete the without thing. them. But I never, yeah, I never liked the idea of like another person being your other half. I was like, well, I'm a full person, and I always knew that. Well, the star um, was complete without Tristan. Yes, but but she shined. But she brighter. can live for eternity with somebody. Yes. As opposed to by exactly, well, so yeah, yeah, either either live eternity alone or live eternity together, and let's like it's like either way, like like you said, like this a star is a star, a star is gonna gonna yeah. star, right? Um, but you know what? It's nice to shine with somebody else too. Yeah, yeah, you don't exactly. Have to. I think you shine just as bright without that person. I gravitate towards the idea of, I think maybe not the other movies that I picked, but this one in particular, the idea of like two distinct people 
like whole people coming together and like having these like grand adventures together. I think that's what I'm drawn to in this. Like I like the idea of that. And I think like the older I get, the more comfortable I am with like, that's fine if my adventures are like on my own or honestly my friends, you know, you find different kinds of love and that's been really enriching, but I definitely still, I don't know what this says about me, but these movies have always been like my, um, like Achilles heel romantic comedies. (laughs) No, they're like, they're like my Harry Potter. Like they're, I'm like, this isn't realistic and I fully know that. Um, but it is, it's a fantasy world. Like love, that sounds so sad. I was going to say love like that is a fantasy world, but. That's a song lyric. You sound like me. (laughs) You sound like Taylor Swift. No, but I, but I like that world and I would like it to be real, but I don't watch these movies and think like, yes, that could happen. I think like, bummer. well, I think that's beautiful, but like, it's not going to happen in real life. So I like absorb all this content. There's an element of longing in watching these types of movies that I think that I feel, because I also love romantic comedies and rom-coms and just romance in general. I I really love it. And it does make me, because I, you know, Megan, you were like, I wasn't thinking about marriage when I was a child. I remember planning a wedding in second grade. With Ew. the girl that I <laughs> thought I was in love with in second grade, I That's fell in. I'll use you. I'll use this person's name because it's because it's fine because she's a friend of mine. Mal, <laughs> me and Mallory Fry were planning we're planning a marriage in second grade. Mallory and Ricky. Oh, sorry, I apologize. Uh, 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 Mallory Melosi. Now, oh, I fell married. in love. She married someone Amy. else. I fell in love with Shannon Halsey in the third grade. Mm. Yeah, she was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen, and then. A la Doug Funny, I started writing a journal about yeah. my undying love for Shannon Halsey through the fifth grade, in 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 which uh, that journal was stolen and read on the playground on the jungle gym. No, yeah, no. yeah. that makes me so sad. But I think like there was a part of me that wanted it to be found. You know, like. That's like otherwise, yes. why would you write? Yeah, it, right. Yeah, there's a part, part of you, you that to wants to. I wanted there, just like there was a part of her that wanted little mouse Tristan to know what she was saying. Like there's freedom in the, in yeah. that. And and I was rejected, you know, rightfully so. I mean, Shannon Halsey was the hottest girl in the fifth grade, and hey, I was man. short, fat, glasses. You know, who cares? Nerdy, autistic kids. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, Shannon Halsey would have been lucky to be loved by you. You know what? You know what? In college, there was a moment. We went to Panera for lunch together. Oh, you guys knew each other all the way through college? A date spot. We went to Panera for lunch, just like in happenstance. And it was like, I was like, if I pursued this, I might... I might be able to... Seth, you you did have a glow up in college. Yeah. You had a glow up. I had a glow up. You know, I could use another one of those. Uh, <laughs> I love a glow up. You only get one glow up in your life. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. But yeah. I totally get what you're saying, man. Like for me, I I was a very romantic kid growing up. I like like I said, I was planning. We were me and Mallory. Mallory were drawing dream houses and like talking about how many kids we were gonna have, not even knowing what that meant. <laughs> but we were planning to be married to each other in second grade. Like I was that kid. So, like, for me, when I watch these romance movies, like, I love them very much because there is a longing for, like, man, if only real love could be like that. 
you know yeah. like i like there is like a gosh like i like you said like your your pragmatic brain is like i know it's not i know it's not mm-hmm. but like what if it was and some people yeah you know what man some people <laughs> it'd be cool just love you know relationships and love is a spectrum some people do get stuff like that some people they do yeah get those crazy coincidence love relationships some people get them mm-hmm. most people don't but some people yeah. do and that makes it even more frustrating because like some people yeah. do get that like, maybe it's me <laughs> yeah this some time. people do have that not everybody does but yeah. some people do and so i know i think these movies just make it seem like it's more common than it is like it's like it's the uh, way it's supposed to be yeah. Um, and I think that's yeah. the, some, maybe the issue that I think that people like Seth have with these things is that those movies make it seem like that's how it's supposed to be. And it's like, and then yeah. it sets on realistic expectations. Well, my I parents look at, were like that. You know? That's what like, I'm saying. There, some people have those stories. Some people have them. And like, that makes it even harder for us out here who don't have those stories of being like, it's so hard because you know, everybody knows somebody who has a, a really romantic and beautiful, like how we met tale. And how their lives wow. have gone since. And like it's like, that's beautiful. And that makes me mad yeah. at the same time. Because <laughs> I want it. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. I I think it's interesting hearing you guys talk about being like romantics when you were kids. Because I was also like, again, like obsessed with all this culture and content, fairy tales and princesses and like the whole thing. But I also, and I think a lot of women are this way. Like we are, or at least women who because there are plenty of women who like didn't absorb that content or didn't care for it when they were kids but people like me and a lot of my friends there was like we absorbed that but there was also this very practical understanding that was like okay but you also have to deal with like the real life stuff I feel like women are very good at you know having that like fantasy but also being very practical and being like I don't know I feel like sometimes I I've found that men are more my not all men obviously but i kind of more easy it's easier for them to access or act on those like big to romantic things or like <laughs> no to Hashtag be, not all men you know vulnerable <laughs> i think women are yeah i just think we're better i just think we're better um but also <laughs> the truth think, comes out <laughs> we knew that was under there <laughs> but I think we, we're better at being we practical and and holding both. I think we're pretty good at holding. I, I think you're totally both. right. There is a, a a pragmatism to the way that I think a lot of us have to. Also, the, also we are all we all kind of grew up in the the '90s, like the mm. Disneyfication of everything, right? The Disney Renaissance. Those movies, a lot of them are very much about like this like special kind of like magical meeting of love. And yeah. like, so like again, like you said, that's kind of implanted in there uh, from a very early age. Like again, I was born in ninety one, so that's like, and Little Mermaid came out in eighty nine. That was like the beginning of the the Disney Renaissance. The and Renaissance, like, yeah. So like, I haven't existed in a world that didn't have the that in it. So yeah. like, I, I was surround. It surrounded me. I like you know, it just is what it is. And so having that pragmatism is so important. Like us being like, no, but I have to be realistic. But there's always that hope. There's always that hope that you might be one of the lucky ones. Yes. Like it's, yeah. I think also like hearing you talk about that, I'm, I'm thinking now about the fact that I was drawn. Okay. So sorry, I'm all over the place. Uh, 90s, growing up in the 90s, there was also, there was like the, the princes and princesses, the whole thing. But there was also the, 
third wave feminism, like you can have it all and do it all, which like, cool. I'm glad that that was a stepping stone to get to like our current understanding of gender. Awesome. Um, I, and I'm grateful for all that content. Like, I think that was really formative, but it also did make it, it was like a struggle to be like, okay, so I'm supposed to do all of this and, and be everything and like not care about romance, but also, but also like really care about romance. It was very opposing messages to get. And also I'm thinking like, I've never framed it this way before or thought about it this way. I'm wondering if I gravitated towards like Disney princesses and like very like girly content, Sailor Moon, like all of that stuff. Because in the content that like my more, like I had friends who were like tomboys, like for lack of a better word. And so they would like, it was like Jaws and Jurassic Park and stuff. And I feel like I gravitated towards the other stuff, not necessarily at first because of the romance, but because in those worlds, the women at least felt like whole or wholer, like it was their story. And I think a part of my brain, wow, okay, I'm cracking something open. I think a part of my brain associated like, like creating my own narrative and my own story and wholeness with that quest for love, because those two things were so, I was like, okay, that's a full person. That woman is a full person. Love that for her. But she's also falling in love. Mm -hmm. Like that's her, that's her thing. Um, and the older I get, the more I break that down. But I've never really examined it that closely before. Yeah, all the That's happy we're women were looking for love. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could help you through this. Because, like, my other heroine was, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And she was bummed, like, most of the time. She so was still looking for love, I didn't love, want that. Though. She was. But she had other stuff going on toward yeah. the end when she was really sad. If only we yeah. could all be Buffy's. I'd love to be Buffy. Buffy. Is my, love to be Buffy. Buffy is my all-time dream girl. Like she's perfect. Yeah, that's a good. I'm choice. telling Freddie Prince Jr. I on still you. dream about Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like she shows up in my dreams. You know what's funny, Seth? She's still a babe. Guess what? what? Sarah Michelle Gellar was offered the part of Yvain in this movie. Wow. Really? Would have been that way been better. <laughs> yeah, honestly, my first thought was Yvain would have had to be like more, more. <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar was offered the part, but she she, she didn't want to do it because it shot for like months in Europe. Uh, she didn't want to be away mm. from her husband, Freddie mm. Prince Jr. And they're still yeah. Happy. I mean, they are they are the pinnacle. They are the they are the shining star of of celebrity marriages. Um, yeah, they're in love. Well, let's be careful. I I you know I'm I'm really into celebrity culture, obviously, and like history of Hollywood and different relationships and things like that. I, I like that kind of stuff. I, I always feel bad because like when two celebrities are like in a relationship together, the public puts so much pressure on it. Like they're like, Oh, they're like, like I think back to like the Chris Pratt and a Ferris marriage. Oh yeah. And how much everybody loved them as a, as a married couple. Right. Everybody loved them as a married couple. They're the perfect couple and they're so blah, 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 blah. Same with like this Jason Sudeikis, Olivia Wilde when they, before they got divorced, like, like, and I think about like the, the Allison Brie and Dave Franco currently, and the, uh, what's one of these other ones? Oh, Blake Lively. Wait, are they not Wait, together? No, they anymore? are. No, I'm saying they're still together. Oh, okay. But people love them as a couple. People love them as a couple. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds. People love them as a couple. And they, I think us yeah. as a public put so much pressure on their relationship because to be like they're perfect. 
They're mm-hmm. like the the like the we want to hold them up as like these like this like beautiful shining star of relationships. And I think I always feel bad doing that because I'm like that, just like any relationship, they have their they have stuff. You know, they yeah. have to. There's not there's no way that their lives are their and their relationship is 100 percent perfect. Like right. I hope it's good. I genuinely hope it's really really good. But. Mm-hmm. Seems like it is. You hope so. But, you know, we thought the same thing about Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt before they got divorced. Yeah. Like, it looked like – it was a shock for me. And I, I was really yeah. up to date on my, like, celebrity, like, gossip and stuff like that at that point. So it was, like, shocking. It was surprising. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'll hear all these things that come out after the fact. And you're like, oh, oh, they weren't good. They weren't good. Um, I mean, they're trying to be better, but they weren't good. And same with like now like the the Jason Sudeikis Olivia Wilde stuff. It's like oh they oh, yeah. they really weren't good, and it looked good from yeah. the outside, but they I, were not. I I I I think I think I'm I'm honing in on a thing. Okay, oh. Nora. <laughs> oh. Okay, you gotta get out of the way. Okay, sorry. So we're we're sitting here talking about celebrity. We we use the word star over and over again. We've like the the through line here is the star dust, the star, the star, right? Like even at the beginning of the conversation, Ricky was talking about uh, there's something about being seen, blind spots, illuminating. Like I think what I think really what we're saying is, and like in Ian McKellen, in his Ian McKellen voice at the beginning of the movie, uh, like. It's like, are the stars looking back at you, right? Like, we're look, all looking towards the stars because we want to be like the stars. But really, you're made of stardust, so therefore you're a star too. Mm-hmm. So, like, really, you are a star. You just have to let yourself shine, right? Oh, that's sweet. You have to let that yourself shine, and that... That is, and you just got to figure, you got to figure out how to shine, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you have the ability to, you have the capacity to, and it might not be what, it may not happen in the way you thought, but you have to allow yourself. It's more about allowing yourself to shine as opposed to finding a way to shine. Yeah. And in that, in that vein, in that e-vein, uh, uh, I think the idea of the way they set it up or with that question of are the stars looking back at you, it does a good job of making, like, we're all in our own stories, but those stories are interwoven and they've been going on for years before us and they'll be going on for years after and we're just part of this big, you know, if the stars are watching, we're just a little story and and we might as well make the most of it. Are we human because we gaze do we gaze are we humans because we gaze at the stars? Or are, do we gaze at the stars because we're human? Because we're human. Yep. And And scene. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a <laughs> a pretty good place to end our conversation today uh about Stardust. Uh everybody out there, let us know what you think about Stardust, what your theme gleans are, where it connects with you personally. Uh and for us, it's time to talk about what's next. So Sam, what's next for us? Well, 
I had some thoughts. I had like I had it narrowed down to three movies. And then Sarah why made us. Why is Megan freaking out already? <laughs> Sarah made a suggestion. That is a, a a very, I think, culturally relevant suggestion. And we are, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to, you know, shine here at, uh, at what's it about? And I think, you know, we as much as. We're talking, we've been talking about like moving the ball on some marketing stuff and things like that. Um, and so I think the timing of a movie like this might be beneficial. Uh, we, we need to definitely like advertise that we're doing it. Uh, but I think we should do a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Right now, okay. Wes Anderson is blowing up on TikTok. And he's, he's huge. And I think it might be smart. I think it might be smart. Uh, I don't. I don't really like Wes Anderson, but I can't not. I, I'm trying to be open to the universe. What the universe is telling me, and you know, if we make a little video and it gets ten thousand views, maybe we'll get some listeners. So, so as much as I'm being a sellout, uh, I think we should do a Wes Anderson film. So in order, in order to do a Wes Anderson film, I have to do one that I want to do. Um, and cause I don't really like, I, like he's all right. Wes Anderson's all right. Um, but I think the movie that I might Wait, connect with, uh, can, can I, can I try and guess? Sure. I want to try and guess to see if I, uh, I picked the right one that you're, that you're going to, Wait, can I guess? Okay. Too? We're just going to put it in a guess. Okay. Okay. Hold on one second. Oh God. Wait, let me guess. Yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm like, I want to make sure I know, I know. All the ones I have an option. I think I, I think I know, but uh, I just want to make sure. Okay. Okay. There's two. There's two that I think that is the answer here. I, I just have to pick one. I'm gonna. I'll say what the other one is after. But okay, I got my answer. Megan, you let me okay. know when you have your. I answer. have mine. Okay. All right. I, I, have I, I think? think. I think you're gonna pick the Royal Tenenbaums. Okay. Okay. Um. I'm t- I'm also torn between two. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Rushmore. That's my that was my second choice. You're actually <laughs> both wrong. Is it Moonrise Kingdom? Wait, can I say my second no. choice? Moonrise Kingdom was my second. No, you guys are just totally okay. wrong. Life Aquatic. No. Wow. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, Grand Budapest. I was considering Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I think I have landed on. The Grand Budapest Hotel. I love this movie. Great one. I love this yeah, movie. Yeah, me too. This is a good uh, one. Cool. I think of all of them, the like, we're going to be talking about what it means to be hospitable next week. And you don't know uh, what we're going to be talking about. Well, some inevitably we are. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, so as much as I hate to be a pop culture sellout. Uh, I think it's probably smart to get to try to get some exposure and hashtag Wes Anderson. Um, and we've never done a Wes Anderson film. We haven't. No. So it, it works. So uh, I'm falling on my sword here. Um, my artist sword. <laughs> um, to hopefully get some listens. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the last time I'm picking a movie. It's not the last time I picked a movie. You know, there's still hope True. for South Park, uh, long, bigger, longer, and uncut. <laughs> please, please don't do that to me. I swear. 
I also had raised uh, Blazing Saddles as an idea. Let's go one too. And Donnie Darko is on the short list. Ooh, okay. So. Well, jokes on you, Seth. This is the last episode. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you don't get to pick another movie. Uh, no. Uh, so yes, we'll watch the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, for anybody who's uh, out there, is watching along with us. That's 2014's Grand Budapest Hotel. You can watch it on Hulu, the Roku Channel, Amazon Prime. Uh, and HBO Max with a subscription, or you can pay to rent it on YouTube, Google Play Movies and TV, Redbox, Vudu, and Apple TV. Uh, so those are your, all your options, your viewing options to watch the Grand Budapest Hotel. So uh, it is time for us to shout each other out. <laughs> nice hair. Uh, Seth, go ahead and shout yourself out. Yeah, uh, you can find me at the Birdie Word on Twitter. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D. You can find me at Seth Adam Crow on Instagram. That's S E T H A D A M C R O W E. You can find me on my website at SethCrow.com. That's Seth Crow with an E. All right, Megan. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Megan underscore Jane sixty one M E A G H A N, and then um, some of my writing on Instagram at Sometimes Songs, and you can find Nora. Right next to me in her little rainbow <laughs> And I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on TikTok and Instagram. That is Blade with a Y. Uh, R-A-C-A-R-D-O-B-L-A-Y-D-E-D-I-A-Z. Uh, and you can find this show, the What's About Boom podcast. We release new episodes every Friday morning on anywhere you can find podcasts, specifically Spotify, Apple Music. Uh, sorry, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and you can find us on social media at What's It About Podcast on Insta and uh, What's It About Pod on TikTok. Uh, that is our show today. So everybody, have a great day out there. We will see you soon. Bye. Adios. Bye. Bye.